shelter from the storm. Welcome to the Shelter from the Storm podcast, a daily walk through the Bible with me, Pastor Jason Poling, as we seek shelter in Jesus Christ from the storms of this life. It's a great day to glorify God. This is Pastor Jason coming to you with the Shelter from the Storm podcast. We do a daily brief dive into God's Word because we desperately need that to stand upon, especially in the time of great crisis with this pandemic, and many of us are feeling anxious, and we need to stand on something stable, the rock of Jesus Christ, and we need to go to the Word, the Word of God that was written down by the prophets and apostles through the Holy Spirit, and so that we can see the Word made flesh, to see Jesus clearly. And so that's why we're doing this, to be encouraging to each other. I took a day off yesterday, had a long weekend, and we're back at it today. We are in Mark chapter 3, verses 7 and following. And last time we were in the podcast, we talked again about the Sabbath. Jesus just had a confrontation with the Pharisees again about the issue of the Sabbath. And Jesus, of course, says, I am the Lord of the Sabbath, and he heals miraculously the man with the withered hand, and now the Pharisees are after him. And they want to kill him. But the crowds have gotten even bigger. Everyone is talking about Jesus throughout all of the land of Israel and beyond. And that's what we see in verse 7 of Mark chapter 3. I'm in the New American Standard Version, and you can choose whatever translation you like. But verse 7 says, And Jesus withdrew to the sea with his disciples, and a great multitude from Galilee followed, and also from Judea, and from Jerusalem, and from Idumea, and beyond the Jordan, and the vicinity of Tyre and Sidon, a great multitude heard of all that he was doing, and came to him. So Jesus would often go with his disciples, a lot of times down to the Sea of Galilee. That's where he was from, uh, in that whole region, Capernaum, etc. And he would go down to the sea and uh, have some quiet time, either with the Lord or by himself, or with his disciples. And so that's what he does here after the incident in the synagogue with the Pharisees. And he comes down to the Sea of Galilee, and there is a great multitude from Jerusalem, I mean, all over. And so when we watch the Jesus movies, uh, there's a number of them, and a lot of times it just depicts, you know, 10, 20, 30 people sitting on the seashore listening to Jesus speak when he gets into the boat, which we'll see here in a minute. And that may just be because of uh, the budgets of these uh, film production companies. They just don't have enough money to pay extra actors. And it really gives you a wrong view of what it was like. This is a massive, massive crowd. Let me try to help you understand just how massive this crowd was. So not only would there be tons of people from that region, Capernaum and some other places around the Galilee area, that people that could easily get to the sea and find out who is this guy who's confronting the Pharisees and they want to kill him and he is healing people, casting out demons. Who is this guy? They're going to want to come see him. But look at this. People came from Jerusalem. That's a long walk. And just to give you an even bigger perspective, it says from Idumea, which is the region of Edom, with you know the uh, Jacob uh, and Esau and Esau's people down there below the Judea region. That is easily a hundred and fifty mile walk to get to the Sea of Galilee. So they came from there. They came from Tyre and Sidon, which is to the north, uh, northwest of the Sea of Galilee, and that's easily a 50-mile or more walk to get to Sidon. So this great multitude is from all over. This is a big deal. We're talking massive amounts of people. He is so popular and famous at this time, 
even in the early part of his ministries throughout the entire region, even beyond the land of Israel. Of course, it says beyond the Jordan, too. So all, all the people to the east of Jordan are all starting to come over from the Decapolis and all these other areas. So that's the picture you need to see. He is there's jam-packed with people. So that's why in verse 9, he told his disciples that he should get a boat ready, and a boat so that he could stand in it so that he might not be crowded out by the multitudes because they were just so jam-packed. Um, and I don't think it was because of his safety so much as the, be, the ability to be able to really interact with them and engage with them and speak to them. Um, l- being down on the shore is a flat surface, and to be able to get some distance so that he can be at a point where he can speak to them and help them uh, more effectively is why the boat was probably pulled for him by the disciples. Because then he does the work that he has been called to do by the Father. He healed many with the result that all those who had afflictions pressed about him in order to touch him. So even as he's in the boat, the people are probably getting right there in the shallow end of the water and just coming up to him. And really, I, I love that picture because that is who we are. We, when we really get past our sense of self-reliance, that we can secure our own safety and destiny, that we are men of destiny, women of destiny. We can pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. When we finally get past that charade, right, that ridiculous facade, especially when we're in a situation like this with the crisis of corona, we, many of us are feeling absolutely paralyzed by fear, some more than others. But the whole world in unison This has rarely happened in our human history. Altogether, the entire 7 billion, 7.5 billion people are all realizing our frailty, how easily things can be turned upside down in a moment, and how quickly even a tiny, microscopic bug, a virus, can destroy life and take it from us and our loved ones instantly. So we are like that crowd, just desperately needing a Savior, needing God to help us. And so we would be crowding around him, going into the water, trying to get up on the boat, just wanting to be near him. And he's still there healing and helping those of us who are afflicted. And they pressed about him in order to touch him. And verse 11, and whenever the unclean spirits beheld him, they would fall down before him and cry out saying, you are the son of God. So there they are again. Here's the agenda of, of Jesus. He's coming here to bring the kingdom. There is a sort of king of this world. He's not really a king at all. But he has, in his efforts to tempt and persuade Adam and Eve and the rest of us, he has tried to wrest uh, authority from the true king and keep this place under bondage. Now, of course, Jesus, God the Father, the Holy Spirit, are the ultimate. They have the kingship. They have the crown in the entire universe. But God has allowed, in his sovereign wisdom and judgment, to allow this earth to be ruled over by Satan because that's what we chose. We chose to be on his team. We may not have known that we chose it exactly that way. We were thinking we were ruling ourselves, but in fact, there really only are two options. You either let God rule or you go after the other guy. And so there's this king of this earth, lowercase k, king, and he has ruled it over and oppressed it and tempted us and we've given into our flesh and we've destroyed this planet. So easily to see, easy to see that. That's so obvious. Of all the theology in Scripture, the one that's the most provable is the fact that we are all desperately sinful people and really bankrupt in character, corrupt individuals. We have really messed up this place. So God, the Son of God, Jesus, comes down 
as the true rightful king, capital K king, and he's throwing out the powers that think they had control over this earth, Satan and his demons, his minions. So that's why you always see this attack, and they're always petrified because they knew the day was coming, and they cry out because they know who he is. You are the son of God. They have much more clear insight than us humans who are still distracted and unable to see into the other realms of, of our mysterious universe. We, we only have one limited perspective. And so, verse 12, he earnestly warns them not to make him known. So there's that thing again where Jesus has this sort of interesting plan where he doesn't want himself to be fully revealed yet to everyone, which in some ways is kind of interesting because he obviously is being heavily revealed in the fact that the entire region I mean, beyond Israel is coming to see him and are interested in all that he's doing. And he's doing things very publicly, healing, casting out demons, teaching, all this is very public. But typically he doesn't want the population yet to really apprehend exactly who he is. He's giving it out in stages. He's giving out his identity in stages. So the demons recognize, they don't have any stages of, of development in their recognition of who Jesus is. They know right away, instantly, he's the son of God. But Jesus evidently is trying to help the people slowly get to this perspective. And largely, it's probably because many commentators believe that the people wouldn't have handled it correctly, even his disciples, who were clearly uh, unable to see things as well as they should have. And we would have been the same. But he knows that there's this fervor of getting this physical David, this Davidic Messiah, who's going to be a physical warrior like the Maccabees in the, the period of silence under the Greek uh, empire. He, he's Many people are looking for this very physical Jewish king who's going to come with a real sword and kick out the Romans and everybody else that's bad, and he's going to bring back the kingdom of David, the kingdom of Solomon. That is not Jesus' agenda. He has got a much bigger agenda, as we've said before, but it keeps coming up because the book of Mark and all the Gospels are trying to help us see, little by little, more of who this Jesus really is so that we don't get blinded or we don't get distracted and fly on a red herring after something that is not what Jesus came to do. He came to bring a larger, eternal, spiritual, but also physical kingdom and, and so he's slowly revealing that so we don't get confused. Thanks for taking a few minutes today to dive into the Word of God with me. I always love hearing your feedback and questions. So you can email me at jason at cornerstoneyc.com. Looking forward to continue in the Word of God with you as we seek shelter from the storm in Jesus Christ.